You're listening to The Big Show on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome back to the program. We're in hour three. It's The Big Show. Russick and Rose, George away for the rest of the week. Peter Klein filling in. Patty Dumont, GVP, hanging out in studio as well. Producer and technical director. Hour number three, Hayden Mayer. World Championship medalist speed skater for Team Canada and the creator of Skate for Kids at the Olympic Oval. He's going to join us just after 8.30. Looking forward to that. Uh, you have the head coach of the Calgary Surge just after 9 o'clock. Yeah, I do. Nelson Taroba. Excellent He'll be news. joining us. Uh, big win last night. Did you get surge. some of the Patrice Bergeron presser yesterday? We did. We played the whole thing, right? Excellent. GVP? Yeah, almost the whole thing. It cut out at the end. It was yeah. quiet. It was quite quiet. They uh, did not have the greatest mic set up there in Boston. Soft-spoken fellow. Yeah. Uh, but right now, to start our number three, we go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline to talk a little bit of Blue Jays. Shai Davidi from Sportsnet joins us right now down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Good morning, Shai. Thanks for taking some time on a Jays off day. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, guys. How's it going? So far, so good. The Jays take three of three on their little West Coast uh, three of six on that little West Coast swing. They take two of three against the Dodgers yesterday. You say Kikuchi with a pretty solid outing. Whit Merrifield with a big home run, and they end up with a sizable victory over the Dodgers. How do you look at just this last little stretch for the Blue Jays as they inch closer towards the trade deadline? I think, look, the minimum you want on a West Coast swing is like that is, is to go three and three with. So they sort of did the minimum. I think what would be frustrating if you're the Blue Jays is that you could have won all six of those games mm-hmm. very easily, a couple pitches here and there, and off you go. Particularly frustrating will be that middle game in L.A. where they had a 7-3 lead going into the ninth inning and couldn't lock that down. And that one's going to hurt a little bit. But maybe you you know if you're sort of looking for silver linings you look at the offense doing a pretty good job against two pretty good pitching staffs and having a very productive stretch and say okay well that's a springboard going forward you know the bullpen was just taxed and overworked a little bit so that contributed to to maybe a couple of the blips there but you know the blue jays are in a, in a tight contest uh for for the playoffs it's probably going to be tight all the way down and as opposed to the the group thinning it's getting deeper the angels are starting to load up they're not going to move Shohei otani and they added lucas giolito last night so every win matters and the blue jays know from experience in 2021 how how much a single game can mean hmm. so you know they it's 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 a good road trip but it certainly could have been better how much do you think the team is scoreboard watching right now? We're still a little ways away from the playoffs, but it's that time of year where, like you mentioned, everything's starting to count. It's kind of funny. Well, at the end of the last homestand, uh, we're talking, about, we're talking to that a couple different players, and uh, Chris Bass is like, Man, I don't look at it at all. I'm just, uh, I just worry about what I can control, and everything else will figure itself out. And Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is like, I've been doing it since opening day. I check every day and know exactly where we're at, right? So it really depends on who you are. But look, I think they understand that the the first and foremost thing is just you, know, you take care of you, right? And you can't be too worried and too concerned about what happens elsewhere. Uh, that the priority is obviously to make sure you're getting the job in front of you done. But there's obviously going to be interest 
And again, it's just so deep right now. Like the American League East is is bananas. You know, if there were five playoff spots available to American League East teams, they very well could sweep them all. Uh, but it's going to be a very difficult race to the playoffs. Uh, you've got two to three clubs in the American League West who are going to be involved in it as well. So it, the, the wild card race is deep. The division races are, are, are pretty interesting. Uh, the American League's just a, a really tough grind right now. Given where they are right now and you know the schedule the rest of the way, they've got a lot of divisional games coming up. Not this series against the Angels on the weekend, but nevertheless, it's an American League series. But how much of a, a worry is the in-division record for the Toronto Blue Jays? It's a fascinating topic, right? Because if you look at the 7-20 and 20 mark, that a lot of those games are decided by a run or two. And you know, having covered uh, almost all those games, uh, there are a lot of those, a lot of contests where it's one swing or one pitch that makes all the difference in it, uh, even if the score does end up a bit more lopsided. And so if you're the Blue Jays, you're thinking, okay, that's going to normalize. Like, we're not this much worse than the rest of the American League East. At the same time, Baseball can be super weird sometimes, and maybe this is one of the weird elements that are just a part of this current season. I, I'm not, I don't know what to make of it. Like I think I think about a year ago, where you looked at the Blue Jays' record versus the Boston Red Sox. The Jays went 16 and three against the Red Sox last season, and then if you take their head-to-head out of the mix, they were only one game better than the Red Sox against the rest of baseball. Essentially, the the entire difference between them was that season series. So you can have these weird outlier years where you get a record that's ridiculously lopsided against one team and not necessarily indicative of just a massive talent differential. So perhaps that's the case for the Blue Jays, or perhaps you look at the games ahead and say, okay, this is going to start normalizing and we're, we're going to make up the lost ground and end up closer to 500 in that, in those, against those teams. Um, looking at the, the Blue Jays now, it's kind of been, uh, I think, a moving target of what might be the biggest need as we approach the deadline. But now that we're less than a week away from it, um, is there something that stands out that should be at the, the top of the wish list for the Blue Jays? You know, it's kind of funny because, it, it, like you said, it's almost like been a moving target and you sort of rush to say, okay, this is the need now, and no, now we need this. Where, you know, a month ago you would have said, oh, the Blue Jays definitely need a starting pitcher, and now you're looking at it with Alec Manoa perhaps rounding into form and Hyunjin Ryu on the cusp of returning. You're like, nah, they're good from a starting pitching perspective. I I think all along this lineup has felt one bat short to me, and if they can add an impact hitter to me, I think that's where they probably get the best bang for their buck. But you can always have another leverage reliever uh, at the back of your bullpen. You can find ways to make room for that. And even if it causes some uncomfortable shuffling or, you know, bounces someone uh, deserving out of a spot, I think you can look at that and say, okay, well, you just can't have enough depth there because that's the way it goes with, with pitching. So uh, to to me, those are the two most glaring areas. They're probably going to be okay from a starting pitching perspective, but of course, all that can change with one injury. So I think we'd like to add, find a way to add some some starting depth. I'm not sure that's going to be possible in a, in a meaningful way. Uh, but I think the other two areas are, are probably easier for them to address. 
You mentioned before how interesting the American League is and that there's a lot of races and a lot of teams in it, but that also means there's not a lot of teams selling. And uh, not one to critique the, the system right now as the Blue Jays are in that last wildcard spot, so big fan. But um, do you think that there could be a couple of teams that kind of emerge as sellers over the next few days as it becomes more apparent that maybe a team like a Cleveland or a Seattle may potentially be actually on the outside looking in and might want to, to make a shift here? Yeah, for sure. And teams who are on the cusp, the Chicago Cubs are, are a fascinating case study, right? You know, they've been playing better lately and they're sort of – I know this is a National League example, but you know, they're sort of five games out, but there are several teams between them and, and, and a postseason spot. Can they get hot and, and run the table? Sure. Uh, but is that likely? That's the decision they have to make. And so if you're a team like that, you're going to use all the available information. You're also going to see where the market prices are going, right? Maybe you're going to get an offer that's just so irresistible that you're like, okay, I'm, not, I'm going to surrender this. 15, 20% playoff probability uh, to get these prospects because that's going to increase our playoff probabilities down the line. So uh, teams have until Tuesday, a lot of them will use it. And for, for some clubs, if you're on the border, you're going almost series to series mm. trying to assess where your team's at and what's the best course of action for your club. As we get closer to the deadline, I think, one of the things that people are kind of keeping an eye on it, not necessarily a, a humongous need for starting arms. Like you mentioned Manoa starting to round into form and, and Ryu maybe being close. Um, what is the latest on Hyunjin Ryu and, and what are you kind of expecting when he does get back into that Blue Jays lineup? Well, I mean, Hyunjin Ryu is essentially uh, ready to go. And mm -hmm. I spoke to someone earlier this week who saw Ryu pitch in against Buffalo or for Buffalo last week. And uh, they were super impressed. They said the command was really good. The stuff was really good. Uh, they were the, 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 and that, that person's estimation was that Ryu could be uh, basically ready. Now, you know, the Blue Jays do have a little bit more runway with him. Uh, his, his rehab assignment, I believe expires uh, after or runs through August 2nd. So they could potentially give him one more outing at Buffalo to let him get him further built out. Uh, but the Blue Jays do have a stretch of 17 and 17 coming up. And, you know, the thinking is that the Blue Jays will, at least for one of those outings, insert a six starter and try to build in some extra rest for their starters that way. So that, that's sort of the, the, the short-term runway with him. And in terms of what he's got when he comes back, you know, he never lit up the late, the radar gun. Mm -hmm. And so the, I don't think the blues are expecting that, but he was sitting around 89 miles an hour, which is close to where he needs to be. And he's doing it with better command than, than when he left. And you can survive that way if you're, if you're Hanjin Ryu. So I think for the blue Jays, it's, it's more quality innings uh, on the horizon. And, I'd expect that we'll see see him in in the relatively near future, maybe even in the next turn, but if not after that. How do you think the pitch clock will affect uh, Ryu when he returns? I don't think it'll be a problem for yeah. him at all. He, he was he wasn't a, a very slow worker, so if anything, it might help him because of the way because of how unpredictable he is. 
Uh, and remember too that on his way up up the ladder of rehab assignments, he's been pitching with with the clock as well. So I, I don't think that that would be any any sort of issue for him. And you know, he's he's a clever enough guy that he might be like Chris Bassett trying to find ways to weaponize it. Yeah. Um, understanding that we haven't seen anything from Ryu at the big league level um, up to this point this year, but if the playoffs were to start today, a three-game wildcard series for the Blue Jays, if they could kind of stack up the rotation as they would like, who would be the, the ideal three starters that they would send out there for a, a series? Uh, I think it's pretty reasonable to say it's uh, Gosman, Barrios, and Bassett right now, and Look, the Blue Jays would love nothing more for Alec Manoa to reemerge into that picture. And, you know, if you say Kikuchi continues to pitch uh, the way that he's, he has over the past past couple starts, you know, in Seattle and, and L.A. yesterday, then that's a tremendous, uh, a tremendous occurrence for them. So I think but, – but I think based on merit to this point of the season, based on consistency, uh, you know, those three guys are clearly – uh, are clearly at the front right now, and then you're waiting to see what's going to happen. Like, can Alec Manoa find back? Because look, as much as the Blue Jays could potentially do at the deadline, I mean, the best thing, the best additions for them uh, would be Alec Manoa returning to form. You know, Chad Green joining the bullpen and, and being uh, uh, somewhat uh, somewhat akin to his former self, and guys like Alejandro Kirk and Dalton Varsho starting to reach their, their offensive ceiling. I think a lot of overly optimistic Blue Jays fans would have hoped that Shohei Otani would have been one of the three that they would throw out for a playoff series. Uh, it appears that that's not going to happen now. A lot of the discussion was that the, the Angels were going to wait until uh, after this Toronto series to figure out what they were going to do. Were you surprised that they just uh, decided to go against that and go all the way in on the, the, the buyer side with the Giolito trade yesterday? No, it, it, does, it didn't surprise me because... A couple things. One, their general manager Perry Manassian, he he's wired to win, right? He's not the selling type, and if he believes in his players and he believes in his group, and look, that team's going to be getting Mike Trout back in a few weeks as well. So you you package in some deadline additions with Mike Trout suddenly rejoining your club, and you're like, oh, it's a pretty good team. So I think that's one element too. I, I never fully believed that Ari Moreno, the, the owner of the Angels, was going to let Shohei Otani go. The, I think that if you, got the, if you have the opportunity to show him, hey, this is how committed we are, and we want to resign you, and this is what we're going to do around you, that even if it's an honest effort and it's competitive and you, and you show progress, well, that helps you this offseason try to retain him. And the it, the chances of you recouping enough to give away the opportunity to continue to make a, a good impression on, on Otani, you know, that's pretty low. So uh, there were just so many factors working against an Otani deal that unless it was overwhelmingly obvious to, that you had to do it, and I think it would have been hard for a team to just go crazy enough to make it worthwhile for, for two months of Otani as, as incredible as he is. It just, it just made everything really difficult. And that, you know, if the angels had tanked over the past couple of weeks and, you know, gone two and 12 or something like that, then, you know, we're having a different discussion. But once they, once they played some, some decent baseball, it, to me, all signs pointed to the angels keeping him and making a run at it. 
So there's still four games out, Toronto, Boston, and then the Yankees all ahead of the Angels in that wild card race, Toronto in the third wild card spot right now. Of Toronto, Boston, and the New York Yankees, who do you think are going to make the most moves before the trade deadline? Ooh, I like that question. So I think the Red Sox are interesting because they keep talking that they're going to try to do the, or it sounds at least like they're going to try to do the, you know, sell a little bit and add a little bit and try to thread the needle there. And that's incredibly complex to do. Mm -hmm. So there could potentially be some moves there. And then the Yankees, they're, you know, they always play coy, but you feel, I feel like they're always going to end up doing something. Yeah, I think one of those two teams, maybe Boston, ends up making more moves. But I, my, my sense right now is that it's probably to some degree relatively similar in terms of what the teams add in, t- in terms of impact. I, I don't necessarily see either of the three making uh, a huge move for, for a massive name. I could certainly be wrong about that. But it, it seems as if that it could be complementary type pieces as opposed to, you know, a major everyday ad. But, you know, I think as, as these things develop, you always see surprises emerge and, yeah. and unexpected moves develop. So I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't rule it out, but I would guess that maybe Boston in terms of number of transactions may be the most active. It really seems to me that if the Yankees were anyone else but the Yankees, they would be sellers at this point, right? Like, I get they're still close, but they're <laughs> old, they're expensive. Um, the Outside of Judge, no one can hit on that team. It, it just feels like the only thing keeping them from kind of tearing things down is the fact that they're the Yankees. Uh, am I misreading that situation? Well, maybe to some extent, but they're, they're also getting Aaron Judge back perhaps as soon as tomorrow, right? And... Aaron Judge is an absolute difference maker for this team. And I, I, I don't think you want to surrender that window of opportunity when you have Judge. And I know what the, the playoff probabilities aren't like 70% or anything like that. But Aaron Judge changes everything for them. And if he can put the team on his shoulder for a couple of weeks. And, you know, you know last, last summer, too, after they got off the great start. Then they had that long dry spell. But that team was basically Aaron judge and Aaron judge dragged that team into the playoffs last year. So can he do it again? I wouldn't necessarily rule it out. They they still do have some interesting pitching. They do have the opportunity to augment a little bit and really improve on, on that team and give it a better chance. So I think there's a a justifiable case to not go the other way uh, because they also do have some young players that are starting to come. And, you know, they, you know, Volpe has been back and forth for them this year. Uh, you know, uh, Cabrera hasn't exactly been, hasn't emerged quite the same way. Peraza as well. But there's young talent there. So I don't think that you have to sort of rush and say, we've got to, we've got to start selling because we have nothing coming. Because they do have some young players coming. It, it, they, they really need to find a way to bridge a little bit more effectively. And I, I'm not sure selling right now would be the obvious path for them. Although, again, there is a justifiable case for that, but I just think when you have Aaron Judge and you're in the area and the standings where you are, it, it's hard to, to sort of walk away from that opportunity. Uh, we know that in order to bring something in, you also have to give something up. Are, you, uh, are there any prospects that you're thinking maybe fans need to start perhaps emotionally distancing themselves from 
the idea of them one day being a, a Blue Jay? Well, if you look at AAA Buffalo, there are a lot of middle infielders there, and and not just at AAA Buffalo, even Double uh, A New Hampshire. You know, I think all things being equal, if the if the Bisons didn't have quite a gut, glut up the middle that they do. You know, someone like Leo Jimenez would be on his way up to to Buffalo to to get some playing time, but there just aren't enough reps for him to to continue developing because he's definitely earned them at Double A. So, you know, that would be the area of depth. Davis Schneider has emerged in a big way to the point that people think he's going to be a big league player uh, now, and he's someone that could generate some interest. There's Addison Barger, the hard hitting infielder. And he's an incredibly interesting player, and he'd certainly have so he'd certainly generate some interest. The Otto Lopez, he's been hurt, but he's someone that has already touched the big leagues, did a really nice job for Canada at the World Baseball Classic, and is a talented enough player that he's got some utility for teams. So you know, the, the, that would be one area. And then if you look at you know pitching, pitching is always a key currency at the deadline. The Blue Jays have some really interesting names at Double A. You know, Adam Klofenstein has really emerged this season to a nice starter there. Sam Rabersa was at the at the Futures game, and he's got a chance to be a, a back end to middle end starter in, in the major leagues. Uh, Jimmy Robbins has had a bit of an uneven season, but he's a pretty talented guy uh, at Triple A. Another guy who was in the Futures game, Yasser Zulueta, is certainly a potential target and. We've seen the Blue Jays in recent years sometimes showcase prospects for trading at the Futures game. So I I think that would be part of the group that the Blue Jays would be looking to trade from. You know, part of it, too, is they're going to have to do a bit of talent consolidation because they're not going to have room on their 40-man roster for everyone who's eligible. Uh, And and so those are the areas of depth right now where I, I would think that you'd see the Blue Jays start making some moves from. Shy, always appreciate the chats. Uh, Enjoy the weekend set with the Angels, and uh, we'll probably have a quick chat after the trade deadline has come and passed next week. Appreciate it. Sounds good, guys. Be well. There you go. Shy Davidi, Blue Jays columnist for Sportsnet, joined us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, 15-time Consumer Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. For pickup or delivery, call 403-248-3344. It's so much nicer to have these conversations about the, I get it's like stressful and all of these things, but it's so much nicer to have this than the conversation. You know, I really do think Trent Thornton's been the most reliable Blue Jay starter this last month. You know, like that I, I much prefer this to those dark ages Boys, between 15 and days. 16 and uh, Vlad Guerrero, you know? Oh, Joe <laughs> Biagini. Yeah. Who've been mentioned on the show this week already, but yeah. Joe be a meatball. Yeah. He, he probably featured far too prominently over those years. <laughs> yeah. Like I love Justin smoke, but the, the time where Justin oh, smoke Justin. was the best hitter for the blue Jays was not a Ryan, banner time. Ryan Goins. Yeah. You just name random 2018 blue Jays. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we might be capped out of where, and I watch that team every day. Yeah. Like, I, boy, I don't know. <laughs> Aaron loop drove me nuts for some reason. Yeah. Seeing that guy yeah. coming out of the Loopy. pen. Yeah. Who was the closer they had? Ted Giles. Ended being a, no, well, ended up oh, being a bad dude. Roberto oh, Osuna. Osuna. Yeah. Roberto Osuna. It was yeah. like dynamite, and then it was, oh, you're a bad dude. Let's send him to Houston. Yeah. We got they, Ken Giles. They, they gladly. And then uh, they got Ken Giles. Yeah. yeah. Houston had no problems with that one. Funny how that worked. Dudes just love to see Curtis Granderson played 104 oh. games in 2018 for the Blue Jays in the outfield. 
I do not remember that at all. Because he was the long time Met. He was yeah. a tiger. Met and a tiger. Yeah. <laughs> Met tiger. Yeah. Um, he was a Yankee too for a little bit. Yan uh, Jervis Salarte. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, who was doing the outfield? Who was really fast? But a Socrates Brito. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Socrates Brito. Yeah. Oh man, this could be a guy like Hendry's Morales DHing. Yes. Oh yeah. yeah. This Big is, boy. Russell Martin, Justice Smoke, Devin Travis, Aledmiz Diaz, Yanjervis uh, Salarte, Teoscar Hernandez, Kevin Pillar, Randall Grichuk, and Kendri- Kendry's Morales was the, the starting lineup. That was 2018. That, that was five years ago. And how many of those guys were still in the show? Uh, Ooh, four, five? Uh, Pilar's still playing. Yeah, Teo's yeah. still playing. Smoke is n- no. not. Uh, I don't think Travis Grich- is a coach now. Devin Travis? Yeah. Uh, Grichuk is with the Rockies. Uh, yeah, it wouldn't be a bad trade deadline pickup for the Jays. Grichuk? Grichuk? <laughs> Want to run a right-handed right bat? Right-handed bat? Yeah. Outfield uh, bat? Contract, contract up. Uh, yeah, but like Jay Happ, Jaime Garcia. Oh, man. Jaime yeah. Garcia. I forgot he was a Jay. Man. Fun stuff. Devin Tra- If Devin Travis would have worked out the way he was supposed to and not just got hurt all the time, yep. he might have been able to bridge that gap a little bit better. Like, he was supposed yeah. to be a star, Man, and it just never happened. A, every time we said that about a Jays prospect. No, that's fair. That's Nate, Nate Pearson Nate right Pearson, now. yeah. That, it's like their entire 2010 starting rotation. Man, if Markham, Romero, McGowan, if those guys can, <laughs> can really get... Oh, none of them. Okay, great. Hey, not so bad now. Vladdy, nope. Bo, yeah. et cetera. Et cetera. Pretty good stuff. Uh, we got to take a break and get to Hayden Mayer. The world championship medalist speed skater for Team Canada is going to join us and talk about Skate for Kids at the Olympic Oval coming up in just a few weeks here. Uh, a couple Sundays away, August the 13th. We'll tell you all about it. They're raising some money for the Alberta Children's Hospital Pediatric Mental Health. Um, yeah, I'm right behind that. Excellent stuff. Uh, plus, he has a mobile cafe. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. It's like a 1972 Citroen. It's so cool. I saw it on his Instagram. Man, how many people could be world champion medalist in speed skating, and that's the third like biggest thing they do? Congrats to this guy. Wait, is the speed skating the third biggest, or the coffee shop the third biggest? No, uh, he has a mobile coffee shop, and that's, that's so the cool. Th- and that's the third biggest. I think it's it's neat. I think it's that, noteworthy. Yeah. Maybe, yes. It's, uh, okay. I'm you just know, wa- you know, I'm just wondering. What, no, I'm just trying to <laughs> fact check your power rankings here. Yeah, no, that's fair. Like the fundraising is number one. Yes, hundred yeah, okay. percent. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then I think a mobile cafe as an <laughs> entrepreneur. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Well, Speed City Middle is not a good medal, but yeah. we'll talk to him around the corner. Sports at 960 the fan. You're listening to the big show on the official home of your Calgary Flames. Sportsnet 960 the fan. Welcome back to the program. We're wrapping up hour number three, the big show with Russick and Rose and Russick nowhere to be found. But we found Peter Klein, and that is just fine by me. Just wandering around. Yeah, he was aimlessly shambling down the streets <laughs> of downtown. Thought it was safer to bring him inside. Uh, I'm Matty Rose. He's Patty Dumas. We got GVP in the other room. We go down the Alice Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline from the Doug Lacey Basement Systems downtown studio to have a chat with Hayden Mayer, world championship medalist speed skater, a uh, member of Team Canada. Coming up on August the 13th, it's Skate for Kids at the Olympic Oval, and Hayden is the creator. Thanks for taking some time this morning. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, well, hey, this is an awesome uh, initiative that you're working on here. So you're 25 years old. You return home from the World Championships, if I'm not mistaken, 
Uh, and uh, pardon me, World Cup medals at the World Championships, return home, and then something clicks, and you have to kind of jump into this initiative. Can you just tell us how this came to be? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, you got it right there. I, uh, You know, busy season, a competition. We were traveling all over the world uh, from November through February uh, across the World Cup circuit there. Earned my first uh, two career World Cup medals and then um, uh, competed in the World Championships in March in the Netherlands, uh, which is the mecca for speed skating. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I was skating in front of over 14,000 spectators and uh, earned my first ever uh, World Championship medal there, uh, coming home with the silver with the men's team pursuit. Um, And yeah, you know, I I got home uh, from the championships and, you know, when athletes finish their seasons, it all kind of comes to a hard stop. So got back to Calgary and, uh, you know, we got a few weeks off to to rest and recover before we started training again. And I guess that kind of gave me some time to think um, and reflect on my season and the results I brought home. And um, honestly, uh, you know, long story short, I found myself in a situation where I was struggling to find my place in society. You know, I brought home all these medals. I'd accomplished Mm -hmm. all these great things, but what was I doing for people? I guess that was my question. You know, being an athlete, in an amateur sport, it, it's a selfish endeavor by definition. It's just what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't have to be. And, um, you know, I, I basically spent some time uh, trying to figure out how I could um, give back. And uh, Skate for Kids, the concept had been a thought for quite some time. Uh, and uh, this year, after the results I'd come home with, uh, I decided this was the year that it was, it was going to become real. So I got the ball rolling. Um, at the end of May, and uh, <laughs> it's a pretty big snowball now, I can tell you that much. <laughs> I'm in the event and uh, definitely excited. So it's going to go from 10 a.m. to 1 o'clock on August the 13th. It's a Sunday, just a few weekends away. You are going to be hoping to raise $50,000 in support of the expansion of the Pediatric Mental Health Unit at the Alberta Children's Hospital. Uh, I want to get into what the day is going to entail but why was it the pediatric mental health unit that felt like the the spot that was going to, I guess, have a connection to you in this endeavor? Yeah, so, I mean, uh, first of all, the Alberta Children's Hospital, they're neighbors to us, right? We mm-hmm. train at the Olympic Oval on the University of Calgary campus. And as, as many people know, the Children's Hospital is um, virtually a, a baseball throwaway. Um, yeah. It's right next door. Uh, so it was easy for, for myself and the team of athletes to, to choose the hospital to partner with. Um, however... You know, we, we reached out to them and they got back to us with a huge list of areas that we could direct funds towards. And um, it wasn't a decision made by just myself. You know, we have over three dozen Team Canada athlete ambassadors from uh, uh, hockey, luge, bobsled, skeleton, speed skating, you name it, all involved. And um, I reached out to many of them for their opinions on where we should direct the funds. And, uh, you know, mental health came forward because it's something that touches all of us in high performance sports. We've all dealt with our own battles um, in in high performance sports, it's just part of chasing your goals at this at this level. Um, and uh, we felt like it was important to to pick a cause that that was relatable to all of us. And um, on top of that, uh, we wanted to to help let people know that hey, like it's cool to talk about mental health. You know, these are your favorite athletes um, from across the country opening up about their own stories. And uh, we want you to know that it's okay to not be okay. And uh, Uh, it's cool to open up and have these conversations. So we want to act as ambassadors to mental health and uh, um, give back to the hospital uh, both kind of at the same time. So the day is August the 13th. The location is the Olympic Oval. The time is 10 a.m. to 1 o'clock. Is the registration involved? 
How do people get in? And once they're in, what can they expect? Yeah, so absolutely 10 to 1 uh, at the Olympic Oval on August 13th. Um, we do have an RSVP link on our website, just at skateforkids.ca. Um, but it's not necessary. You can, of course, show up with no RSVP. Admission is free. Um, we want everybody to be able to come and meet the athletes and have a fun day. Um, but uh, there will be donation booths set up from the Alberta Children's Hospital to help us reach our goal, of course. Um, in terms of what the day is going to look like, the Olympic Oval is going to be completely open uh, for kids and families and folks to skate uh, alongside some of their favorite athletes. Um, we're going to have some activities with Sport Calgary and Canadian Sport Institute on the running track, some kind of try it all, try out all the sport booth sort of areas going, a little playground, snacks, food. Um, it's really just going to be a day of fun uh, with some of the top athletes uh, under the Canadian flag. Uh, speaking of those athletes, who are some of the other uh, fun guests we can expect at this? Yeah, I mean, we've got uh, Isabel Weideman, first and foremost. She was the flag bearer from the closing ceremony at the 2022 Olympic Games awesome. and a three-time Olympic medalist. Uh, we've got uh, Jamie Bourbonnet and Emily Clark. They're two of the top players on the Canadian women's national hockey team. Uh, Cyrus Gray is from uh, Bobsled Canada. I mean, the list goes on. We've got over three dozen athletes involved, in, and that only... You know, that list was put together in in less than two weeks. That's kind of how motivated um, these athletes were to be able to get involved in an, an initiative that gives back to the community. So, um, yeah, you name it, we've got an athlete from the sport. Uh, you know, we've even got Allison Beveridge from um, the Canadian women's track cycling team that's come on board. So it's really a mix of everything. Uh, taking a look at, at your career now, um, obviously the, the last couple of years have been rather interesting globally uh, with the, the whole pandemic thing. We have Olympics when we're not supposed to be having Olympics. Everything kind of gets thrown off. H have you noticed, like, have, have you been able to get things, like, back on track? Is everything kind of normalized in that sense now? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. It's been, it was, you know, talking about mental health, it was definitely a really tough uh, past few years. Um, you know, the pandemic hit, and uh, uh, on top of that, we had a mechanical failure at the Olympic Oval year, so we actually had no ice for almost the whole year. Um, during the first year of the pandemic, which is, is tough. It's, it's our sport. We need to skate. Um, but, uh, and, you know, going into the Olympics, like you said, um, <laughs> we didn't even have a selection event for the 2022 games. They were canceled due to COVID. So the team was a little handpicked. Um, you know, we, we went through a lot of ups and downs over the last couple of years, but this past season, the 22, 23 year, uh, I think I would, I would say in my opinion was, it was quite normalized. You know, I'd say we're back to normal in the sports world right now. Um, obviously everybody's, um, been woken up, I guess you can say about, uh, just health and safety in general. So we're definitely a little more cautious maybe when flying or, um, so on and so forth because no one wants to get sick, but, uh, <laughs> No, I mean, I'd say we're back on track. Uh, we have a couple other things I wanted to ask you about before we let you go. Uh, is is Calgary home for you? Has it always been home? Uh, I moved to Calgary in 2015 from Toronto, so mm -hmm. I'm originally born and raised in Toronto. But uh, um, so I've been here for about eight years now. But I, I'm going to call this home. I'm I'm quite happy in Calgary, and I, I'll be sticking around here um, uh, beyond my my sporting career. Was it always speed skating for you? No, I grew up as a hockey player, actually. I was playing mm -hmm. hockey until about 14 years old. Uh, politics got pretty intense at, like, the 13-year-old age in Toronto. And uh, I'll be honest, I just wasn't interested in it. Uh, I was not interested in getting involved in politics at that age. So um, my parents tossed me into a speed skating club after seeing uh, the 2010 Olympics. And 
Um, well, I guess it worked out. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, if you can still cook, uh, I might be looking for an extra skater tomorrow. Um, but that's that's beside <laughs> the point. Um, but uh, I also wanted to ask you uh, about your coffee shop, Hayloft Cafe. This is a super cool idea. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Oh yeah, I haven't even thought about that in a while. Yeah, so I uh, I kicked off. That was an that was something I built um, during the well the first year of the pandemic there in 2020. We had a bunch. Of, we weren't traveling to compete, so we had a bunch of time um outside of our training hours and i just said hey you know we don't make a ton of money in amateur sport but i'd like to build a life for myself um or i'd like to 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 build a life for myself and you know the money we make um is generally enough to support to keep a roof over our heads but it's not enough Mm -hmm. to you know get some savings going and get ready for the future so um i saw these cool kind of coffee truck concepts in europe and decided i would try and uh try and do something similar here so i got an old antique citroen uh, 2CV. My father's from France, so um, being a French truckette, it was kind of my way to link to my French heritage and uh, put a whole espresso bar inside it. And yeah, we've been doing uh, quite well the last few years. We we mainly do we mainly cater espresso to private events around the city of Calgary and and outside. Um, and uh, it, it's honestly it's it's allowed me to uh, to keep my focus on the ice. Most importantly, I mean, this past year is the first year that I um, haven't worked a part time job outside of sport. I used to be a Zamboni driver um, for uh, you know work until about 11 p.m. on my feet, which was great, but not ideal for for training. And um, the business allowed me to leave that job, and you know we're sitting here now, and I'm a two time World Cup medalist and a World Championship silver medalist. Um, uh, all in the same year that I left that position. So um, the business has definitely, definitely helped me out. Uh, according to the, the Speed Skating Canada website, uh, it says that you're a, a fan of doing the F1 simulators. So I'm wondering, A, are you any good? Uh, and B, do we, have a prefer- oh, do we have a preferred car? Do we have a preferred... Like, well, g- give us a bit of a scouting report on the F1 simulator. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a bunch of the guys uh, on the team seem to have gotten into that during the pandemic. It's just we were all stuck in our houses and wanted a way to, to still talk to each other and be a team. I'm not actually a big gamer, so that was a big thing for me to get into that. But uh, I, uh, yeah, um, you know, I don't mind ripping around on the F1 tracks. Uh, generally, I, I mean, um, I, I actually find it's weird, but it helps us. Like we're so corner based in speed skating that you think about apexes and corner entries and exits when you're driving. So, um, you know, I like to play around with, I mean, I'm a Ferrari guy. I've always been a Ferrari guy. I'll just be honest. And we, uh, even though they're not doing so well. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, uh, I'm going to say Monaco. I like having fun on the Monaco track, but, uh, um, I, I don't play as much anymore. That website's not too updated. I actually spend most of my spare time out of the city on a, on a ranch <laughs> helping out uh, in Jumping Pound. Uh, and, and I also saw that um, you've dabbled on, on this side of the microphone with some uh, announcing gigs. How did those go? Yes, yeah, sir. I was uh, I actually was a, I was a PA announcer for some pretty high-level sporting events before I... So I, I was an announcer. I was an in-stadium announcer for... Uh, um, world championship speed skating and world cup short track speed skating, obviously before I reached the level where I was then competing <laughs> in those competitions. So I'm no longer <laughs> doing that, but you could do uh, both. Come on. I believe in you. You yeah, can get I mean, that done. <laughs> and in first could me <laughs> could toss a mic on for sure. I, I had a blast doing it. Don't get me wrong. And I made a bunch of connections and, uh, um, it's definitely something I'd consider getting back into after my career in, uh, um, in sport, but I got to give it, I got to give it to you guys. It's freaking exhausting. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know if we deserve a lot of credit, no. but that uh, I will take it nevertheless and definitely appreciate it. Uh, Hayden, this has been a great chat, man. Best of luck with Skate for Kids. It's coming up August the 13th. The website is skateforkids.ca, the number four. Uh, don't spell it out, just skate for kids. You can RSVP. Uh, there's going to be donation areas at the event as well supporting uh the children's hospital and their pediatric pediatric mental health unit uh keep up the great work man thank you and thanks for having me yeah no problem at all that is hayden mayor uh world championship speed skater won medals and now he's uh trying his hand at uh helping out in the community love that i got a ton of time for that absolutely 100 percent. this city's really good for that kind of stuff that's one of the things you notice moving here after i lived in toronto for a little bit not that everyone just hates each other in toronto but but they uh, do well a little bit yeah um they all seem to hate me but uh, (laughs) (laughs) but no this was like there's so many athletes who want to give back in this community it's really really great to see and uh, obviously the the latest one here and a a fantastic cause that we can all get behind 10 a.m to one o'clock on uh sunday uh, august 13th it's gonna be a lot of fun uh perhaps see you there and uh say hi to hayden that was a great chat he was a great guest yeah he was awesome um that will almost do it for the show. We got a little bit of garbage time here. So we're gonna spend uh, the next eight minutes listing off random blue jays from the two thousands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah. Um there's a few things that we could get into. Do you uh, let's do this one. This one was the one that GVP really got a good chuckle out of. Um, you know who Mad Dog Russo is? Yes. Chris Mad Dog Russo. Yep. Um hot take type of oh, yeah. radio announcer. Sports I think that's, talk legend yeah, who has I think that's, just started yelling at clouds. Yes, he very much has. Um, yesterday, for a show, Mad Dog Unfiltered, uh, they were doing a little interview with uh, Joey Votto, and I think Joey started to maybe lean into this a little heavy <laughs> as it went on, but nevertheless, any time that a player, especially a Canadian, gives a little bit of grief to Someone in our role that likes to maybe go off a little too hard on the deep end every once in a while, well, you just love to hear it. A couple yeah. of months ago, you said that Zach Greinke and I are a hall of very good ball players. I think Zach and I would agree. You may be right. But I get the gist of what's going on here. I know what you're doing. You're looking down on us. A couple small market Midwest ball players. Just because we're not big city, just like you, Mr. New York City, Sirius XM radio star, Mr. National Television, ESPN star, with your Fifth Avenue ties and your crisp pocket squares, your tailored suits and your polished shoes and your hair, your perfectly coiffed Broadway hair. Must be nice to sit atop that Madison Avenue ivory tower looking down on us with those luscious locks. Not everyone can be the next Roger Peckinpah, Mad Dog. You should be ashamed of yourself. You're a disgrace. <laughs> and Mad Dog started to get into it at the end. Yeah. But just another prime Joey Votto, oh. inter- Joey Votto interview. Yeah. He is so good. And his really sensitive about well the hair. Too. Your polished shoes and your hair. Your perfectly coiffed Broadway hair. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good stuff. Must be nice to sit atop that Madison Avenue ivory tower looking down on us with those luscious locks. (laughs) Really is a problem with Chris Mad Dog Russo's 
hair. Yeah. Like, Joey doesn't have a lot though. So no, 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 <laughs> no. You. no, that, that but hat, it, that hat's not having to do a whole lot of work, um, <laughs> on there. No, it certainly is not. I thought I had another Joey Votto clip in here where he's really mad at something. Um, angry fan. No, no, I got nothing. While you're looking, he has like any media thing he wants to do post career. He's going Mm -hmm. to be able to do it. If he wants to go the, the Luke Gazich route and host his own podcast, then that would be, that would be a banger for sure. I feel like he'd be able to get a few people to join him. Yeah. Yeah. I think he'd be able to, to nudge some stories out of some guys that would make some good content. If he just wanted to do the desk thing, um, I'm sure Fox would take him in a heartbeat or (laughs) up here. Um, love to have him on Sportsnet and all those things. But uh, if he just wants to ride into the sunset with the $262 million he's made in his career, I'm sure he could do that as well. How good would he be on one of those alternate cast broadcasts? Oh, God, he'd be like amazing. Like a Sunday night? He'd be perfect. A-Rod was in the news a little bit because he was really not that good on he's it boring. most recently. Yeah. Because he's trying to do like the main broadcast, and yeah. the point is like have a little bit of levity. No, you got to be... Make it funny. Yeah. But even as a player, A-Rod was very serious. Yeah, and of course. Was not, was, Boring. Was like, couldn't, yeah, he could not... Boring. He, he couldn't, you know, like anybody says anything bad about him, you'd he, feel like, kind of like Barry Bonds as well. Both I those guys said, were And you only need to... And given hardcore analysis in like a nine-one game, yeah, you're like let's settle down. No, I tell want, us about a, a funny story. Yeah, you know, like, I want more of this. And uh, your hair, <laughs> your perfectly coiffed Broadway hair, <laughs> going the same way, just on Michael K. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm looking for. Um, way to go, Joey. That's a good sound bite. You're a disgrace. Oh, like- <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it for us because uh, much like. Uh, Mad dog. You're a disgrace! Yeah, well, we're just trying to end the show here, Joey. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow's Friday, end yeah. of the week. We don't really know what we have planned. we got a couple things we're going to try and chase down for mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Serge, head coach, joining you next. Yes, Nelson Taroba will be joining me next. Uh, his, uh, his Serge had a big old comeback victory over Edmonton last night as and they get ready for the playoffs. They're off to the ploffs. Well, I got one more regular season game, but yeah, playoffs. But they are going. Yes. They clinched a spot. Yeah. So they get a ticket. Yes. Okay. We get to go play. Excellent stuff. Extra ball. All right. Well, uh, talk to you tomorrow, friends. Have a great uh, Thursday. Bye-bye. Sit, Ubu. Sit. Good dog.